This last Tuesday, uh, our mission committee got together to talk through some of our, our plans for fall. It is kind of odd, to, although today almost kind of feels like fall. There's, there's some, some clouds in the sky. Kind of odd to, to be moving from that summer place in toward fall. And our, our, our mission committee talked through a, a quite a few things. And at some point, the conversation turned toward uh, needs for, for housing. We just started talking about the needs for housing. There are needs here locally, which is why we partner with organizations like, like Harbor House, and, and needs elsewhere, which is why we're taking a trip to Mexico next month to build a house, and why some of our high school kids went to Colorado Springs and, and worked on some, some houses. Housing is incredibly important. Shelter, it, it provides security, it provides comfort, provides places to rest. Having a place to, to call your own it provides a, a degree of dignity, self-worth. My, my dad uh, is actually on an airplane right now on his way back from Belize where he spent uh, the week with his church building a, a house in, in, in a kind of impoverished part of Belize. And they've been doing it for the last eight to nine years. And he sent me this photo of, of he, he went with five guys over 70. And I said, you're going to build a house in a week? Really? Really? And he sent me this photo, and it's, it's, it's the five guys, or the six guys together, and, and all of the guys that they had built houses for before. Because they all come to help build the houses now. Housing is important. Shelter, it's something we long for regardless of our, our background, regardless of our, our culture. And when there's problems and when there's, there's shortages... I would hope that we would be the sort of, of church that does whatever we can to provide that security, that, that comfort, that dignity. I'll never forget the moment that, that my wife Haley and I walked into a bed and breakfast in Cape Town, South Africa, after living in Malawi for six months. We had a house in Malawi. And the church that we were serving at the time uh, did everything they could to make the manse that we were staying in feel very comfortable. But it was different. To put it mildly, it was different. We had to purify our, our drinking water each and every day. We had to get used to the occasional um, cold shower and sometimes the cold shower in the dark. We had to learn to cook with different ingredients using different methods and we had the largest and fastest spider I have ever seen as a, a housemate lived in the, the kitchen. If you want to go home and look it up, it's called a camel spider. They're giant. They're giant and they're, they're really, really fast. Um, oh, and then there was the mosquitoes and the bats that lived in the roof. We walked into our, our room in Cape Town and Haley just started crying. It was clean. It was put together. We, we didn't have to sleep under a mosquito net or, or worry about the kitchen spider. For an entire week, we were invited to rest and to step back into what something that was closer to what we had grown accustomed to living in. We have uh, two more weeks in this summer series in Psalms, and, and this morning's psalm is about finding rest, about finding protection in the shelter of the Lord. It takes this, this image of a dwelling, this image of, of, of a shelter, of a place to live. And it's about inviting others to experience 
that shelter, to find shelter themselves. Hear these words out of Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Many of the the Psalms that we've we've looked at this summer have have either been written by David or or possibly attributed to David. But this Psalm, Psalm 91, is is different. It's different. It's widely accepted by, by biblical scholars that David didn't, in fact, write this Psalm. Most scholars actually think it was written specifically for worship in the temple, specific, for one specific pur- purpose, to, to, for, for worship services in the temple. It flows, this, 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 it flows from a, a, a personal claim. This is what I believe. God is my refuge. To a communal dec- declaration. Here's what God will do for us. So it goes from a claim, this is what I believe, here's what God will do for us. And then we see this, this kind of funny response from God. And we're going to unpack that in, in, in a couple of moments. But altogether, this psalm is an encouragement to call out, to, to, to cry out for God's protection. The concept of dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, as the psalmist writes, is a theme that comes up over and over and over again in Scripture. I th- think about the Israelites living in captivity in Egypt or, or, uh, or wandering in the wilderness, longing for the security and the comfort of the promised land. Think about the tent, the tent or the tabernacle that they carried, a, a, a literal mobile dwelling place for God. Then from the time they cross the Jordan and the tribes of Israel, they, they settle to Jerusalem, to the temple being built and all that followed. There's this longing, this desire for home, for, for a place to be established for that shelter, a place they can be secure, a place they can find refuge. Now, in the New Testament, it looks a little different, but the theme of dwelling with God is is still there. In our our first reading this morning, Jesus is talking with his closest friends, and he says, abide, dwell, remain, 
Stay. Live in me. Remain in me. And then I will dwell. Remain. Stay. Live in you. In other words, stay connected. His invitation in in John's gospel, Jesus' invitation in John's gospel, mirrors what we see in the first two verses of this psalm. Anyone who, who dwells in the house of the Lord will be treated as a guest, welcomed into a, a safe space. At the beginning of the, the, the sermon, I, I mentioned some of the challenges that we faced while living in, in Malawi. It was different. It took us completely out of our, our comfort zone. And at the same time, it was the most welcoming place I've ever lived. Completely uncomfortable. Completely uncomfortable. And the most welcoming place I have ever lived. The country is known as the warm heart of Africa. And it's known as the warm heart of Africa because the people are, are incredibly warm. Are incredibly welcoming. They go out of their way to make sure that you are valued. To make sure that you belong. You could see somebody on the street, a complete stranger. And they'll walk up to you and say, um, where, do you, where do you live? And what they're saying there is, where, where do you stay? And the next question that's followed up with that is, and where, where are you from? There is no short greeting in Malawi. You don't just see someone on the side of the road and get over that conversation in a minute. It is a long conversation. Haley and I felt uncomfortable, definitely out of place. But I, I really can't think of a time in all my times in, in Malawi that I've really felt unsafe. The image that is painted in the psalm is one where a a person is safe to explore, safe to to ask questions, even when the answers don't come easily, even when uh, they're not necessarily the sort of answers we want to hear. Our mission statement here at WPC is to invite all people to follow Jesus on a journey of faith, friendship, and, and, and service. And this psalm reminds us to ask ourselves if we are really doing that. If we are really welcoming people. Does every person who shows up here on a a Sunday morning or, or sometime during the week feel welcomed? Do we really invite people to come with their questions? Do we really commit to walk with them on their journey no matter where their journey begins or no matter where they've been on their journey as they set foot on our campus or into our community? I know I have not always been perfect with welcoming folks from all walks of life. It's something I have to be conscious of, something I have to continue to work on. I hope it's something that we're all working on. But the psalmist isn't just extending a a canned invitation. This isn't a a mass mailing from the local church to to all of of the churches. It's not just getting a note card in in the mailbox inviting you to come to Easter or, or Christmas. I'm not even sure this is an invitation to come to church at all. For some it might be. He says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will find rest. And the reason 
the author writes. The reason I know that they will find rest if they dwell in the shelter of the Most High is because God is my refuge, my fortress, the one in whom I place my trust. This is a personal testimony. It's, I know this world is exhausting. I know you're going through, through difficulties. I know that you're tired. I am tired too. I'd like to share a place that you can find a rest. It's that sort of invitation. And then the psalm moves from this, this personal invitation to, to a, a declaration. It starts with, surely God will rescue you. And then moves to just about every type of adversity that a person could face. Physical disease, plagues, attacks during the day, demonic terrors in, in, in the night. Verses 7 and 8 assure the reader or the person receiving the invitation that while thousands of people may fall, those who call out to God and ask for protection will go untouched. Uh, Walter Brueggemann, who's a Hebrew scholar and has written a a ton about the Psalms, points out that we we might not want to actually connect this this psalm, this sort of dwelling, to a, a physical place. It's not about a safe location, it's about a safe journey. The image we're invited to see is a traveler on on a road, on a road that that might not be marked out too clearly, on a road that that has all kinds of challenges and gaps and, and, and hurdles, surrounded by chaos, where that traveler is vulnerable, where that traveler is exposed to the darkness around them. It's not removal from the journey. It's not, it's not the psalmist saying God's going to pick you up from that place and put you somewhere else. It's saying that as you journey, as you travel, you don't travel alone. It's what we're reminded of in Luke 10 as Jesus sends out the 72, like sheep among wolves. They're given instructions. They're told there's going to be challenges. And then after they go out on their journey, they, re- they return and they're full of joy because of what God had done. What we see in John 14, when Jesus tells his disciples that whoever believes in him will definitely face trouble, but they will also do greater things than he. We're not told that the journey is easy. In fact, Scripture often tells us the opposite but we are told that we don't journey alone. The end of the psalm, it it takes a a bit of a turn. We see God's response to those who approach God, who are seeking protection. God speaks and says, because the seeker loves me, because he or she calls on me in times of trouble, because of that, I will will protect that person. I will give them salvation. I will save them because of what the seeker has done. The response of the divine to the person who dwells in the midst of the Lord is, I will save you. I will respond because you love me. Anyone else see a problem with that? You can be honest. I do. I read it and say, What sort sort of love is that? 
yeah, I'll, I'll do this because you love, love me. It almost reads as if there's a, a condition to God's promise. And that can lead us down a dangerous path. I start thinking, well, if God didn't rescue me from that terrible situation I was in, if I did have to suffer, if, if this did happen to me and it was difficult and it was hard and it, it hurt, I must not love God enough. I must not abide in God. I must not remain in God. I, I must not fill in the blank. Out of context, the psalm can lead us to believing that we're not good enough, that we haven't done enough, or that in some sort of twisted way we aren't deserving of God's protection or God's love. And let's be honest. There's a whole lot of suffering out in the world today. There's a whole lot of suffering in our community here at WPC. There's a whole lot of suffering in our families. So what do we do with the end of this psalm? What, what, what do we do with it? It's either incredibly hopeful or a complete mockery. Depending on where we sit and what's happening in our lives. As we wrestle with God's promise, I, I think it's important that we remember that we're not necessarily talking about being removed from the place of pain. Again, it's not as though God just kind of swoops in and picks us up and moves us from the, the, the place of pain, that we're, we're plucked out of a difficult situation. The promise is that as we go through those difficult situations, that we are not alone. That we are not alone. If we seek God, if we, we dwell with God, in those difficult places, God is with us. Lloyd Ogilvy, he, he, he put it this way. The road to intimacy lies in self-disclosure. As we disclose ourselves to God, God will disclose himself to us. And Satan will be locked out of our hearts as God's kingdom reigns there. This is what it means to dwell in the secret place to be hidden and covered by the Almighty. God's kingdom reigning in us as we go through difficult journeys. Maybe the image that we should cling to here is the one that I kind of just glossed over earlier. The Israelites wandering in the wilderness, carrying the tabernacle as they wandered, carrying the, the literal place where they believed that God dwelled, the holy place that they carried with them. As they wandered through the wilderness, they had to face challenges. It had to be hard. And yet they literally carried the shelter of God with them. Throughout this series, I've tried to remind us uh, uh, of the, the importance of the Psalms, that really it's, it's found in their, their honesty. They, they give us a language for our faith, for our beliefs, for our, our doubts, for our struggles, for those times that we, we feel alone. They give us a language when we can't come up with the words ourselves. And this Psalm reminds us that while there will definitely be troubles in our lives, 
We don't have to face them alone. Let's pray. Loving God, we long to dwell in your presence. To make our homes in you as we face the inevitable hurts and struggles that this life brings. God, remind us that we don't travel alone. Pray these things in your name. Amen.